WBNE. Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics, and today we're talking about the Chronicles of Narnia, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Voyages? Is it Is voyage? it plural? I thought it was just one. It's singular. A singular voyage. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I think they just do it the one time. <laughs> I mean, the Dawn Treader has multiple voyages. But like... Not this in this movie. <laughs> book movie, though. You're right. This movie came out in 2010, and it was directed by Michael Apted. Yeah. Which is different than the first two, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I have feelings about that. We'll talk about it later. When I watched this one for the first time, this one was my favorite. Rewatching it again, I thought it was kind of boring. <laughs> Oh, thank God. I was like, dude, this cannot be your favorite one. That would just break my soul. Like, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was specific scenes that seemed disconnected from each other. Prince Caspian was the scenes so intermixed that it was almost too hard to watch. This was just one scene the entire time. Yeah. And it was so boring. (laughs) Yeah, they never quite got it right, did they? No. <laughs> I don't know. There's four I... more books that they can do. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they're just going to make this into a Netflix series. That's not a joke. I'm cool with that. The series of Unfortunate I'm not... Events Netflix series <sighs> is so good. But I, okay, I was talking about this with Ethan from Bacon and Eggs. I love these original actors. I love them with my whole heart. I can't imagine anyone else being these characters. Georgie Henley not being Lucy? Unacceptable. I can't deal with that. Yeah, that makes sense. The, like, the series of Unfortunate Vets Netflix show was super good, and I never finished it because that's just my relationship with series of Unfortunate Events. (laughs) But. That's just your brand. (laughs) One day I'm going to finish reading those, and one day I'm going to finish watching that show. I've been saying that for, like, ten years. (laughs) But, like, that had movies before it with different actors, but they didn't have the same popular popularity as the chronicles of narnia movies right and chronicles of narnia is just i feel like most people who like it are exactly the same as me they just have this childhood attachment to it they're not really like oh this is fantastic because blank it's like this is fantastic because i was a kid and it, it has this really cool connection um the fact that they didn't do the rest of the books really heartbreaking so i would love that in a netflix series yeah i i mean like the other books they didn't do don't have edmund and lucy right and i get i get that so that would obviously make sense i just i wish the movies that they've already done would just stay just stay the way they are. Don't touch them, because I love them so much. 
yeah, there's just so much with the world of Narnia that they could do that they yeah. just didn't have time to do in the movies. Yeah. Like, a, there's a lot of Narnia background that we never got to see. Mm-hmm. So for that sense, like, I don't have the childhood chat, uh, childhood attachment to, like, these actors, so I would be cool with seeing it in a Netflix show with different people. Yeah. And I think it would be cool for, like, younger people, younger than us, like, children, Mm -hmm. people who are children now, to, like, watch them on Netflix, like, as they're growing up. Yeah. I feel like that would be a good thing to be attached to, like how they're doing with the Percy Jackson show. Yeah. It would kind of mind the generational gap, for sure. Like, there would obviously be the grumpy people who are like, no, you can't change it. Me, right now. (laughs) But then there will be the people who are like, you know, my niece or nephew's watching this right now, or my grandkids watching this right now, and this is really cool that they like the same thing I like in a different way. Right. Because, like, Georgie Henley... It's not that much older than us, I don't think. Yeah. And so, in that sense, if I had watched these when they came out, like, I would have grown up with Lucy. Yeah. And that would have been cool, but I didn't. But it would be cool to watch that happen to children now. And, like, having kind of that big brother mentality with William Mosley, like, oh, the growing up with my big brother, because I never had that, so... I kind of felt like the Lucy, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. I love this. So not having him as Peter is like, no, I can't. The only thing they have to keep the same, because I say so, Liam Neeson has to be Aslan. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) He must. Like, who else, who else could have done that voice better? No one. It was perfect. I I can't think of any actors. I thought of Patrick Page, who does the voice of Hades, or he plays Hades in Hades Town. He's got a nice voice, but I don't know if that's the vibe we're going for. No, that's the opposite. <laughs> he just has a really nice baritone. Right. No, I gotcha. I just. I don't know, something about it. That was prime casting, really. (laughs) Also, just having a bunch of no-name kids playing these no-name kids was incredible. Like, they did still have some big-name actors, like James McAvoy. Ya boy's done a lot of stuff since then. Like, he's pretty popular. Yeah, that's like the Harry Potter phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Phenomena? Phenomena <laughs> of like getting kids like all of the Harry Potter movies have like these three or four children well like mo- like all of the children in that show are basically nobodies at this point and then they're like acting right next to these incredibly famous British actors yeah and that's just like a cool environment to see and like if you think about it you're like why is Alan Rickman in these movies. <laughs> what is Maggie Smith doing? It's fine. And, like, 
I like, like, that was such a big deal because these people grew up with these kids and, like, went through all of these things with them. And, like, there are other franchises that you could do that with. Yeah. Like, Harry Potter is very special to so many people, but not to everyone. And Narnia could be that thing for them, or Percy Jackson could be that thing for them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm all for doing more of that. Also, just getting more kids into reading, because I think that's a really hard thing to do. Like, it's even hard for me to pick up a book instead of my phone. It's ridiculous, and it's, I mean, it makes sense. One's shiny and the other one's not. (laughs) I'm gonna find you a shiny book, Jade. Okay, I like that. The Shadow and Bone Collector's Edition is shiny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's also very expensive, so. Yeah, maybe not. We're not gonna know. Every time I see it, I'm like, wow, I want this book. <laughs> but mm, that's I just don't gorgeous... have any money. Yeah, no, that's that's a hot mess. You guys could help um, me reach my dreams of getting the Shadow and Bone Collector's Edition by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash curlycriticspod. I'm crying. <laughs> Perfect ad placement. That was just that was gold. We that, haven't even oh my. started to talk about this movie yet. That is so funny. Okay, okay. So I hadn't watched this movie since I saw it in theaters apparently in 2010. <laughs> like I hadn't watched it since because One, no one bought me the movie, so, like, how was I gonna watch it? It wasn't on any streaming services ever until Disney+. Plus. Like, that is just a fact. So, and I really had no desire to watch it again? I don't know. It just didn't have the same impact as the others did. Yeah. I watched these for the first time so i watched them all in a row and this is the shortest of all of them so i think that has a lot it is. to do with why i liked it so much the first time mm-hmm. because i had watched lion the witch in the wardrobe which is two and a half hours long prince caspian which is two and a half hours long and then don Shutter, which is less than two hours yeah i was trying to think of why I like I like the I like stories that are we're gonna get the gang together and do this thing. So I was like, oh I like that. Like there's no complicated plot to this. The gang is all getting back together and they're gonna go do this thing. It's like the first Avengers movie I really like because it's just a gathering of the team to defeat this evil guy. Also the comedy in that movie is unparalleled. Well yes. That's why <laughs> I really like Six of Crows right now, the Shadow mm-hmm. and Bone spinoff, because that's exactly what it is. It's gathering a team together to do this thing, but with that's crime. nice. <laughs> nice. So that's, like, an added element to it. Yeah. I just, after watching it the first time, watching it again, I was like, I already know what's going to happen. And, like, the gathering the team back together and to solve this thing is not exciting because there's no other levels there's to this nothing movie. else. Yeah. Like, the first Avengers movie has great comedy and, like, 
amazing actors and like that whole vibe that like mm-hmm. I could rewatch that movie over and over and over again and not really get bored of it. Yeah. And oh, I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean watching it in a row, like spacing out. Oh, but like yeah, if yeah. I were to turn on Avengers right now, I haven't seen it in like at least a year. I would be like, oh yeah, I'm having a good time. My gosh, that would be amazing. And Six of Crows is gathering the game together, the gang together, but with crime, and so you have to, like six people's trauma to deal with, and so there's layers to it. Mm-hmm. This just has no layers. It's not an onion, you guys. It's kind of disappointing. <sighs> In so many ways. So the movie starts with Edmund trying to sign up for war, like to enlist. My precious friend. Which, the first time I watched it, I had no idea why he was doing that. But then I, like, remembered, like, his thing with his dad and the first movie. And, like, and then he's, like, talking about afterwards about how he was a king. He's fought in wars before in Narnia. And I was like, ah, yes, this is the reason Edmund needs to go to Narnia. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's what it is. Like, every movie, they have to go to Narnia to learn something. Mm-hmm. And so Edmund has to go to Narnia to learn how to grow up. To, like, yeah. let go. And to, like, be an adult in the world that he actually has to live in. Yeah. And. And so, to learn humility. Because he's like, I was a king. I fought in wars. Shut up. You're yeah. a kid. Which is very similar to what Peter's arc was in the last movie. Yeah. But it just it's, came it's, up a lot, especially when he and Caspian were fighting. It's like, I was a king, you're not a king, whatever. I'm like, shut up. Yeah, it's it comes <laughs> off, like, Edmund does it differently because Edmund's a different character. Edmund yeah. and Caspian do not have as much of a strained relationship as Peter and Caspian did. <laughs> Yikes. They're more like brothers. Yeah, they're more like brothers than Peter and Caspian were. And so they clash less. They do clash, but... And it kind of felt like since Peter had given Caspian his sword, it almost felt like Caspian kind of idolized Peter because of that. Like, oh, I was given the king's sword. This is mine. Like, whoa, calm down, buddy. Yeah, definitely. That's, yeah. yeah. So... Then we get introduced to Lucy, who stops Edmund from enlisting into the war, into the war, and we see that Lucy's having self-esteem issues. Yeah. And which I think is the dumbest thing ever, but that's no, I fine. completely agree. I said <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I said in a few episodes, maybe in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe episode, that I feel like Lucy gets more annoying as the sh- movies go along, and this is what I'm talking about. That's completely she, valid. She yeah. seems to revert backwards because in the first movie, especially, she's the only one who knows what's going on. She, mm-hmm. well, okay, maybe not revert backwards. She grew up. That's what happened. Yeah. So you know when you're a kid and you're like, I am the most important person in the world. I have so much confidence. Like, I'm great. And then the world tells you that you're not. And all of a sudden you're not anymore. Yeah. That's what happened to Lucy. I think about that a lot, about how, like, all of the times that I, like, feel insecure about myself, I'm like, I'm only feeling insecure right now because somebody told me 
mostly society yeah. as a whole told me that I should be insecure about this. Dang. Yeah. You're not wrong, though. I mean, that's such a huge thing. That's what everyone deals with. That's like everyone's complex now is like, oh, comparison. Oh, no. Instagram is kind of the worst. <laughs> right. So in that sense, it's not really dumb. I just, the way it played out was kind of stupid. Yes, but the like, actual I... thing makes sense. Yeah. She just, like, the husband's a whole movie wanting to be Susan. That and... drove me insane. I'm like... I, I always thought Lucy was prettier. I always, I just felt that as a kid, like, watching those movies. I was like, why does she want to be Susan? She's prettier. It didn't make sense to me. <laughs> Not to yeah. say they aren't both pretty. That, whatever. It's fine. Can't dig myself out of that one. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're both pretty. And different ways. Mm-hmm. I had a point. But I forgot what it was. I... I've moved and unpacked this weekend, so my brain is just gone now, apparently. It's dead. We're all dead. It's fine. So, then we get introduced to Eustace, who is literally the worst. Literally the worst! So, they're sta- Lucy and Edmund are staying at their cousin Eustace's house with his family for some reason. I'm like, these... These, like, books are happening, like, a year or two apart from each other. Like, the movies. They're not in real time. The actors are growing up a lot between them. But, like, the books themselves are happening, like, a year apart. So we're still in the middle of World War Two. Yeah. And in that time, they went to the professor's house because it was unsafe to stay in London. They came back. And then they sent, like, the war got calm enough. That they could send Lucy and Edmund to their cousin's house so that Susan and Peter could go to America. Yeah, I would have to read the book again for that to make sense because I have no clue what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I do think with Eustace, he wasn't as annoying as I remembered. And I think the only reason for that is because in the book... I literally wanted to rip the pages out. <laughs> it was so annoying. So, like, the fact that he wasn't that bad on screen, I'm thinking, why did I think he was so terrible? Oh, it's because I read the book first. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty annoying. He's not... Eustace doesn't have the Edmonds angsty teen vibe. He's just a snob. Yeah. Which and is a lot harder for me worse. to sympathize with. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, angsty teen, you're like, you're just dealing with a lot of emotions. You're trying to figure out yourself. Like, I get that. Snobs are just mean. Yeah. Just mean for no reason. Like. His little diary. I was like, I, I'm going to slap you with that, boy. No. Get that out of here. Right. <laughs> Keep it in your sock or I'm going to hit you with it. No. It makes me mad. (laughs) (laughs) Which I guess that means he's a well-written character, but... True. At what cost? (laughs) Yeah, so Eustace and Edmund are fighting. Lucy's staring at this portrait. Just being... 
very Lucy like oh yeah she's like oh look at me in dreamland oh the picture's moving oh I'm all wet now yeah oh no we're in the ocean (laughs) so Edmund and Lucy are looking at this picture and one of them is like hey that ship looks like Narnia and then Lucy just keeps looking at it until the whole room floods and they (laughs) end up in Narnia (laughs) they're like oh we're suddenly at the bottom of the ocean okay I do like that they don't get to Narnia the same way every time yeah things never happen the same way twice yeah because it's very much the Narnia will be here when you need it not when like not when you want to like, they go, they go to Narnia every time because they need to go to Narnia. Because they need to learn a lesson because Narnia needs them. But, like, oh. it's mostly because, like, they need to learn a lesson of some kind. I just, I can't. That's so nice. I love Narnia. It's so, it just makes you feel good, man. It's not, like, angst all the time. Horrible things. It's, like, happy times. <laughs> right. And we're, like, three books in. Three books. Yeah. Mm. Really. This is like the... F- is Dawn Tread of the fifth book? Five? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. Because the boy and his horse is in there, and they just didn't make a movie of that one, apparently. It's fine. But we're five books in, and all of the things that are happening are still incredibly lighthearted. Yeah. Like, stuff is happening, people are dying, but it's not like the world is at stake, everything's ruined darkness the world has been at stake every single time yeah but they do it in in a a good way yeah they do it in a way that's not like darkness yeah which i think has a lot to say about c.s lewis and his writing style like you don't go to this dark place when you're reading you really don't like you just stay in this oh there's hope something good is gonna come out of this mentality and I think we need more of that. <laughs> yeah, personally. I think as we've progressed in time and like now and like I like this too. People are more for morally gray kind of blurred lines kind of things. Mhm. Which I think is more complex and it's more interesting than just good guys go, save day, everything's fine kind of story. But as a result, things are just darker. The stories are darker. Things are harder. The stakes are higher. Yeah. And, like, eventually that starts to take a toll. And so it's nice to, like, go to Narnia and be like, oh, yeah, things are still light sometimes. Yeah. Plus, Narnia, it is very clear cut. There is right. There is wrong. That's it. So it is... It does make for more interesting things when it is gray, but this isn't one of those things. Right, and C.S. Lewis isn't trying to be complex. Yeah. And, I mean, they are children's stories. Yeah. So, he's not trying to make a huge commentary on society. He created a world where children go to when they need to learn something. And to progress to learn how to progress into adulthood and that's what they're there for wish i could have freaking gone to narnia (laughs) 
Dang it. <laughs> so they end up in Narnia and they reunite with Caspian. And I think it's important to note that Caspian kept the flashlight. <laughs> you mean the torch, Jade? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. I I can't even begin to tell you how happy that makes me. <laughs> it makes me laugh. It made me laugh full times. Because it's so good. Edmund's face is just like oh thanks. <laughs> like I could have just gotten it. Caspian one, like probably. pulls out the sword and Edmund's like, Wow, the sword's still here and he like, He's like Caspian, hey, this is for you. <laughs> it's just a flashlight. <laughs> or Caspian tries to give it to Edmund, and Edmund's like, no, no, Peter gave it to you. And then Caspian's like, okay, but I have something for you, and just throws a flashlight at him. Oh my gosh, there's the comedy we were looking for. That's it. <laughs> and he kept all of Lucy's stuff. She's like, oh, can I have it? He's like, it's literally yours. Just take it. <laughs> what the heck? But it also kind of shows her timidity and her self-consciousness. That's another one of those things where, like, she is not confident in who she is. And that wasn't a problem before. Yeah. She was always the one leading the pack. Not anymore. Well, eventually. At the end, she does. Yeah. They arrive in Narnia and Caspian's all confused as to why they're there. Because the last two times they've ended up in Narnia, it's because Narnia's needed their help. Yeah. He also just dove headfirst into the ocean to save these random people. I just... And he, like, Lucy's struggling and he's like, wait a minute. I think I know you. Like... It just, I don't know. It's so ridiculous. It's so funny. I don't know. Yeah, but then they ask why, what Caspian's doing on the Dawn Treader, and Caspian mm-hmm. tells them that he's looking for his dad's besties, who fled when Caspian's crazy uncle stole the throne. Oh my gosh. Can that be like the official wiki summary? Caspian's <laughs> looking for his dad's besties. <laughs> They're and on so, a ship, probably. <laughs> That's it. And so naturally, Edmund and Lucy are like, okay, we'll go with you. And, and Eustace, Eustace is the worst. He's having a bad time. Eustace is having the worst day ever. He's getting bullied by a rat. <laughs> is it a rat? Mouse? Mouse. He's a mouse. He's a mouse. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is a formal apology to my buddy Reap. Yeah, so they go to the Lone Isles to look for proof of the lords. And instead, they undercover slavery. Yeah, totally fine. Yeah, and Caspian and Edmund get captured. They try to sell Lucy to slavery, and then, like, that fight ensues. Eustace. Yeah, but nobody wants Eustace. Yeah, we could have sold him. That's fine. Yikes! That was a bad thing to say. (laughs) Rewind. 
none of the people <laughs> buying people wanted Eustace. Well, I mean, I wouldn't either, but... <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, he's probably strong, and he's like, ah, eh, don't touch me. I'm like, yeah, that's about right. I love, though, when they get to the aisles, that Eustace is, like, complaining and being annoying, and he's, like, walking around, like, looking at things, and he's like, oh, nobody's over there, even though there are people over there. Um, can we just leave now? And Edmund, like, tries to, like, include him, and is like, well, you could come over here and guard things and oh we've all been there we have literally all been there and then caspian just like after a moment of like i don't know what to do gives him a knife he's like here don't hurt yourself please and so it's very much the like two older brothers like bringing along the younger brother because mom said so but (laughs) Not because they want them to be there. 100%. Like, okay, I guess. Oh my gosh, this is gonna suck. Just this whole movie, we see Ed... Ed, Oh my gosh. We see (laughs) Edmund and Caspian have a lot of, like, good communication. And, like, they understand each other. And, like, that's a scene of that. And also later on, like... They just say things, like, at the beginning, it's a little weird, because Edmund's like, let's do this, and the, like, <laughs> first mate is, like, Caspian is the one in charge here, but, like, eventually they, like, settle into this rhythm of, Yeah, like, we help each other out. But he also needed to know his place, like, he just showed up out of nowhere and is like, oh, we need to do this, and Caspian's like, no. I mean, Caspian- it, chief. Caspian says to do the thing that Edmund does. Right, yeah. It's just weird. It's a weird thing. It's just a, thing. a reminder that you're not really king anymore. <laughs> yeah. I just love... Like, I actually put in all caps, like, Aw, bros, Ed, and Cass. I love it. They make me so happy. <laughs> yeah. So a fight breaks out, and... Then these people disappear into this green mist. Mm -hmm. And so now the stakes are raised and they have to go find these people. Yeah. They have more motivation. Yeah. And one of the lords that was in jail runs up to Caspian and gives him a sword. And he's like, you need this. We all had one. They were given to us by Aslan. And so then the journey begins and they try to figure out what happened right it's like there are several points in this movie where you feel like the movie's starting you know what i mean like when the sword is given like oh you're gonna need this or when they're in the house with the what's his face i don't know yeah and he's showing them all the fancy map stuff it's like oh the story starts now it's like when did this movie actually start? What is happening? Why can't we just keep going? It just feels like all of those are just starting points. I just realized that they call him the magician in this movie, and the first book of the Chronicles of Narnia is called The Magician's Nephew. Mm-hmm. Are those two things related in any way? Do you know? I have no idea. 
I, I didn't. Either. I only read the books with the movies. Cause I'm fake. <laughs> I anyway. was just a kid, man. That's One day I want I'll, to tell you. I'll read the books and see if, if somebody knows who's listening. Let me know yeah. if those two things are connected. That'd be dope. So, and the C. next C. scene. Lewis. Oh man. Next scene, Eustace gets owned by a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> What's new? And then a little girl sneaks onto the ship, and suddenly Lucy has purpose. Yeah, it's unfortunate. She becomes, like, the mom of the ship. Isn't she the only girl there? So it yeah. makes it weird. Yeah. I'm like, this is fine. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, it does Lucy- make me think, like, is she wearing men's clothing? Because that would be dope. She was. I mean, Lucy was wearing, like, the sailor uniform. But it just kind of looked too feminine, you know? Like, why would they have that on board? Just in case they picked up a lady on the way? Like, that doesn't make sense. I was under the impression that it was just men's clothes that she was wearing. And because she's a girl, it looked feminine. Fair. I don't know. But... Costume-wise, it's probably women's clothing. (laughs) I mean, yeah. They're like, we're gonna try our best. (laughs) Yeah. I love Eustace and Reva Chief's relationship this whole movie. It's so sweet. It's so cute. I literally can't. Like, Reap doesn't fight Eustace. He teaches him how to fight. And that is the sweetest thing I've ever seen. It's so cute. Like, that's the only redeeming quality is that Reap is there to make him- make me hate him less. So, next, the squad drops onto an island to look for more clues about the Green Mist and the Lords. And then Lucy's kidnapped by a bunch of invisible men. So, wait, before that happens, don't they all have nightmares with the green mist? I feel like that happens before. No, it happens after. After? Okay, because, sorry, never mind. I don't know yeah, what's happening. Because the magician, like, introduces the, like, this is evil, like, it's gonna start tempting you, got and then it, the next scene it. is them all being tempted. You're right, because she got the page out of the book. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so, I'm here. It's fine. So she gets kidnapped by a bunch of invisible men who are like, you have to go into this mansion and undo undo the invisibility, that invisibility spell from the oppressor. The oppressor. And, <laughs> yeah. So Lucy goes and do, does it. She finds this book. She's like looking through it. She makes it snow. She's like, wow, magic is cool. And then she comes across this spell that like turns her into Susan. It's like turns you into what you want or like makes you pretty like the harry potter mirror it shows you what you want to see yes that's what it does like the mirror of error said yeah that's what i was trying to tell you when we were talking about that and it just it didn't happen <laughs> i was like oh it's just like this and you're like ah, okay <laughs> it's a thing there we go yeah so, then she rips the page out and keeps it. She, like, hears Aslan's voice, 
And so mm-hmm. she, like, panics and, like, rips the page up and, like, sneaks it. And I'm like, girl. That was dumb. Aslan's trying to tell you to stop. Well, he but, roars, like, no. When you hear, no. <laughs> like, you spent the last two movies caring so much about what Aslan thinks. And then the one time that he's like, hey, maybe this is a bad idea. You just ignore him. Isn't that a parallel to our own lives? <laughs> Yikes. So, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Lucy, eventually, like, she makes the invisible scene. And then the invisible men who only have one foot are so funny looking they reappear as like edmund and caspian are about to like throw hands because they kidnapped lucy oh yeah dude protective big brother mode i was like that's it that is i'm in love with them now it's fine not like i wasn't before but that just really got me they're like where's lucy oh god yeah so then the magician comes out and like invites them all into the mansion so he can explain things and I'm Eustace, not oppressing you. I'm trying to protect you. Eustace has, like, the best line because he's like, what are they? And the magician's like, oh, they're so-and-sos. And Eustace is like, ah, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Of course. <laughs> Which is like, Eustace is super annoying, but this whole time, like, I'm not sure I would have reacted much differently yeah, they're so seeing... casual about everything, and he's like, of course, there's just talking minotaurs and whatever, and... Like, yeah. the first time the Pevensey children went to Narnia, they were younger, and, like, they had Lucy's, like, awestruck wonder to pull them mm-hmm. around, and they were like, wow, everything's so cool and amazing, and, but, they like... They were still freaked out by the beavers, though. Yeah, but they were still a little bit confused, but now... Edmund and Lucy are so casual with it. Like, this is their third time going to Narnia. Like, they know what's up. And then Eustace is just there, like, what? And, like, he's not a person who has a large imagination. And so he's just really confused. I think I would have adjusted faster than Eustace, but I would have been confused. Oh, yeah. I just... I hate him so much. Anyways. (laughs) So, the magician tells them that there's an evil that's coming, and that they need to go and collect the seven swords and place them on Aslan's table to break the spell, and that to watch out because the evil doesn't want to be broken, so it's going to try and tempt them. Mm -hmm. And then they all go back in the ship, and they all start having bad dreams. Yeah. So Lucy basically has a dream that she uses the spell that she stole and turns into Susan and has a scene in America. And of course, Peter's there and that just, oh, yes. And um, (laughs) I think the most heartbreaking part about all of that is that they would have never known what Narnia was without her. And that it just breaks you for a minute. You're like, wait, 
none of this would have happened. They wouldn't have had that childlike wonder. They wouldn't have learned all those lessons. They wouldn't have been kings and queens without her. Like, she's so important to their entire lives. Yeah, it's definitely, like, part of her insecurity of, like, she's looking up to Susan her entire life to the point that she's forgetting how important she is. Yeah. And Edmund does the same thing to Peter, Mm -hmm. where Edmund looks up to Peter so much because he's his older brother, to the point that Edmund forgets how important he is as a character. Which is why it was so important for Edmund and Lucy to go to Narnia without Peter and Susan. But also Edmund not having a big head about being a king, because... yeah. That is a thing. He's like, well, no, I wasn't the high king, but I was still a king. It's like, okay, relax, buddy. Yeah. It's... Edmund has got a lot going on. Per usual. (laughs) But they just, like, needed a point to, like, get out of their sibling shadows, to figure out themselves, and be like, oh, yeah, I don't need to be a jerk about how I used to be a king. I can be humble. And also know my own worth. Yeah. You don't have to peacock yourself to know how important you are, which is what Edmund's doing. Yeah. He's, like, constantly trying to prove how important he is, but he's was a king. He's already important. Yeah. Yeah. So then they go to another island, and they find two more swords. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did have another note. Sorry, it just... It came to me. So, like, with their nightmares, one of them is fighting the personification of evil slash the personification of winter. One of them is fighting, straight up fighting man. And the other one is fighting your mind. And I'm just going, nope, I'm done. It's too much. It's a lot. That's so deep. I know. When I thought it, I was like, whoa. Because you think about who they all have nightmares about or what they all have nightmares about and what they're trying to fight. And it's like, whoa. That's dark, man. That's crazy. I just, I need more time to process that information. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because we were on the nightmare scene. So I was like, okay. No, no. You're right. It's really cool. I've just never thought about that. Yeah. Blowing my mind. (laughs) Anyways. And so, now transitioning to the next scene where Eustace turns into a dragon. It's totally fine. We're fine. That's normal. Yeah, here, like, from this point on, we see a lot more of the temptation aspect. Edmund, like, they find this river or lake that like turns things into gold yeah that was awkward edmund wants to collect it all because then they like him and lucy can go and do whatever they want they don't have to stay with their uncle anymore because they'll have all the money and like all of these things and caspian is like dude you need to stop and so edmund and caspian fight yeah i thought it was interesting i expected to 
for Caspian to say something like, hey, kind of what Lucy told both of them. Hey, this is the temptation. This is the thing we were supposed to be looking out for. But instead he goes, you can't take anything out of Narnia. And I'm like, oh, you need to get knocked down a peg, my guy. It ain't that serious. Yeah, but I also think that Edmund needs the tough love that Caspian gives him. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was just... I was expecting Caspian to be the voice of reason at that point, but they were both just the strong-headed men that they are. Right. (laughs) And just fought over stuff. But at the same time, he was right. They don't ever take anything out of Narnia, and that's kind of the point. Right. Yeah. Edmund just wants to be powerful and he hates having to live in other people's shadows. Peter's and also Caspian's. Poor thing. (laughs) And then Eustace gets turned into a dragon. Because why not? (laughs) Crazier things have happened. Even C.S. Lewis got annoyed with writing him that he had to turn him into a creature that doesn't speak. I love that so much. I. That's so good. (laughs) So then, like, Eustace, like, pulls them along to this island and they find three more swords. So they now have six of the seven and they're at Aslan's table and they meet this pretty star lady who, like, tells them that they need to go to the dark play the dark island to find the seventh sword and then bring it back yeah so that the evil will not be unleashed first of all it was really annoying that caspian was making eyes at a star i was like shut up don't be dumb cuz you could tell he was like what According to the Narnia wiki, he ends up marrying the star. I figured, I was like, that sounds about right. It just annoyed me. I was like... No, it annoyed me too. I was like... That was pointless. Lucy, like, makes comments the whole movie about, like, Caspian finding love. I know, that was weird. (laughs) We didn't, we didn't need this in here at all. Especially no, since, there wasn't a point for that. Especially since Caspian doesn't find a love. Like, he doesn't marry the star at the end and of this movie. Like, I keep no rolling my this. eyes. You guys can't see, but I'm continuously rolling my eyes. I can't stop. Yeah. So they have six of the seven swords, and then they go to the Dark Island, and everything gets resolved so quickly. Okay, no, we need to talk about the island. Because the dumbest thing, oh, it made me so mad that they're like, no, don't think about your worst fear. And it was the biggest Ghostbusters moment. I was so mad because you've seen that movie, right? Yeah. So when they're like, oh, don't think about the worst thing you could think of. And then it's like the marshmallow man coming to attack them. It's the exact same thing. He's like. Edmund's like, oh no, what have I done? And I'm like, oh. Except he doesn't think of the marshmallow man. He thinks of a terrible sea monster. (laughs) 
Which looked like the sea monster from Sea of Monsters, the movie. It just looked so bad. Yeah. Just this, like, this whole movie has been, like, trucking along. We're going on island to island, and then all of a sudden we have all of this action. All at once. completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, this movie's not exciting enough. Let me just add a fight with a sea monster in. But there are no stakes whatsoever. Like, no, because I mean, like, you know lives. it's fake. But, like, yeah. But, like, they didn't need to defeat the sea monster to get something. Like, they got the sword so easily. And so it was just like, what's the point? The only redeeming quality from that scene was you finally getting to see Lucy's archery skills, which I think is important for no reason, but I just think that's a nice thing. Like, oh, she finally did learn combat and she's incredible at it. That's nice. And also, like, Edmund stabs the sea monster to defeat the evil once Eustace puts the sword on the the seventh sword on there. But I just feel like it would have been better if they had always needed to defeat this evil that Mm -hmm. way. Like, instead of it being a personification of your own fear, the sea monster, Mm -hmm. that they just, like, need to defeat the sea monster. And that's how they stop the evil. But they can only do it once they have the power of all seven swords. Yeah. But there's also something to be like, I think it's supposed to be kind of like a the evils within yourself kind of vibe. Which means that there was no actual danger with the sea monster. Like, okay, it was destroying the boat, whatever, but it wasn't... Honestly, I don't think it was real. <laughs> I don't know. I know, I think it was real because it's a magical land. And it was one of those, like, I thought it into an existence kind of situations. Just like the Marshmallow Man. Right. But it was just so, so dumb. I wonder if Ghostbusters got that idea from Narnia and thought we wouldn't notice. And then C.S. Lewis is just rolling in his grave going, you sons of... Just kidding. The last lord has, like, lost his mind and throws the sword at Eustace as a dragon who, like, is hurt and, like, flies away to, like, the sandbar. And then Aslan turns him back into a boy. And somehow he gets from the sandbar back to the other island so that he can put the seventh sword on and save the day. And then Edmund stabs the sea monster and... Everything goes back to normal. I don't... I couldn't tell you. I'm sure it makes more sense in the book. Yeah. I really should have read it. That's my bad. And and then there's all the stuff about Aslan's country. I know. That is my favorite thing in the whole world. Which I like, like the concept. It just seems out of place in this context. In the movie, it is 100% out of place. In the book, they talk about it a lot more. Yeah, and I know it's important because, like, I've researched, like, I've read, like, the overarching story Mm -hmm. of Narnia. 
and like what happens in the other books and so like i know it's important later on in the books yeah. it's just in this movie i'm like we didn't necessarily need to include that yeah i don't know it's or we could have talked about it more yeah you could have put in a couple of other things i think reap says it he sings the song once and that's it and that's all the context you get and i'm like okay right like i just watched the third pirates of the caribbean movie have you ever seen it no well okay well, they, there's a song that they're singing throughout the whole movie to, like, signal as, like, a, once people start singing this song, this thing needs to happen. But they, like, right. sing it the entire movie. Like, it keeps coming up. Like, the whole introduction is about this song, and then it, like, keeps coming up at other points. And so, like, the song, very clear. Song's important. So they could have nice. done that. I've, like, made it more of, like, a folk song, kind of, like. As they're, like, working on the ship, everybody's singing the song. Right, yeah, the rowing song right. could have been that. Right, that kind of thing. And then we would have been like, huh, that's interesting. And then as soon as Reap mentions that the water's sweet, we could be like, oh yeah, that's important because of the song. Yeah, I was so obsessed with that. Like, I would write that. So we were in... We had to have been in eighth grade um, English because I remember we would have to write for like five or ten minutes at the beginning of class every day. And I was so obsessed with that concept of like the ocean water turning sweet when something was about to happen that I kept writing about it. And I'm like, I need to stop. Yeah, the ending of this movie is extra sad. I don't know why one of my notes says Aslan, yeet. (laughs) Like, all of the endings are kind of bittersweet, but this one is, like, particularly sad. And maybe it's just because I know that there's no more of these. Right, I think that's... That has a lot to do with it. I always thought the prince caspian ending was the saddest it's because solely the song. <laughs> because of regina specter my woman she really did that for us <laughs> the power of music that's and what we're instead, just talking about in this one it ends with freaking carrie underwood and i'm like we didn't need that yeah but the like oh yeah we're never gonna come back and reap oh, going into so... aslan's country Eustace crying over that, I was crying. I was like, no, I'm done. It's Eustace coming full circle. Yeah. It's just extra sad. Um But that's Dawn Treader. Yeah, so I have big complaint. Let me get into my rant. So you mentioned at the very beginning of the of this episode that the director is different and so is the music composer composer. so first of all as soon as this movie starts you can tell it's done by a different director like automatically the filmography is different and no not okay but the biggest thing 
Like, the thing that made Narnia the most magical to me was the music. Because in a good... In a good score, you always have the one thing that's similar. Like, and I think the biggest thing is with Hunger Games, Rue's Lament is in every movie, is in all four movies. And that song makes you cry almost every time. And I know it's there. And it's so important every time they play it. But because it was a different person making this score this movie wasn't magical to me. It didn't feel like Narnia because it was so different. I couldn't tell you how this score sounds because I don't like it. Yeah, I can't tell you how it sounds. But you can automatically hear how Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and Prince Caspian sound. There's just this magical aura to it. And you're like, I'm in this now. Like, we're in it. It's the best score to listen to to do homework because you're just so freaking pumped about it. <sighs> Is this also... This whole movie takes place on the ocean? Yeah. Well, I the first wouldn't... two... But, like, the first two, Narnia is, like, forest, trees, like, right. that kind of vibe. And, like, that's not how it is. It's on the ocean and then going to all lots of different disconnected islands. That are not necessarily Narnia. Like, they are Narnia, but they don't have the same vibe. And they so the, don't. like, setting is not the same. And so, like, all of these things... Like, there needed to be something to pull it to the other movies. Like, so that it was so important because the setting was so different. I just think they... I really do believe that they did it intentionally. That they intentionally said... No, we're going to make this different because we're different directors. Like, that's why Ben Barnes's accent, Prince Caspian's accent, goes away in this movie. Ben Barnes was like, hey, no, I had an accent in this other one. And they're like, no, we're not going to keep that. You can just be British. And I'm like, what? Of course Ben Barnes would have said that. <laughs> he wanted to keep it no, like, authentic. Literally, nobody cares more about their characters that they play than Ben Barnes. He we always stand. does so much research, like, whenever he plays a character, and he gets so into it. And so, like, of course, he would have been like, that's not consistent. Like, I had an accent in the first one. Like, my character is Spanish. And it just, it breaks my heart thinking about that. Like, that's why I didn't like this movie as much, because it didn't feel like Narnia. They could have introduced even just a clip of the old music. Maybe when... Lucy was opening the book and she was in the snow world. She could have been hearing that score, like the original lantern yeah. moment. And that would have been so incredible. And I would have loved this movie 10 times more, but instead it was just random, not very good. And you're right. Like this movie's a lot shorter. Everything was intentional. I feel like everything they did different was intentionally to make a name for themselves. And that's upsetting to me. Here's the thing. That is exactly the reason why I don't love Rise of Skywalker. Like, that's the exact reason. Because, so we have The Force Awakens, and then we have The Last Jedi, which is different. 
mm-hmm. which is like fine. But Rise of Skywalker is the third movie, and it has the potential to connect the first two that are very different from each other. But Rise of Skywalker has the power to connect them and to keep the story going. But instead, J.J. Um, Abrams did the exact opposite of everything that Ryan Johnson did and ate to an upsetting degree. He, yeah. like, J.J. Abrams, or I'm assuming it's J.J. Abrams' fault because he's the I new mean, director. He, he was the director in that movie. Yeah. But it was like, I wanted to do this in seven, and Ryan Johnson rewrote it so that it wasn't that, but I'm still going to do that anyway. It's like if you have a kid, like, where you do the, like, add a word to the story thing, but instead of building on the story, you just start your own. And you're like, you can't do that. We're building on a story. That's what we're doing. It changed everything. We're playing, we're doing improv. We're doing, you have to yes and it, even if you don't like it. Yeah. Man, let's make a list of all the movies we hate for that reason. <laughs> I don't hate. <laughs> well, just. Yeah. Don't like i i don't hate this movie either but yeah yeah. well like the harry potter movies have four different directors oh i didn't know that over the eight movies the Mm. five six seven and eight are all the same director but one and two are the same three is a different and four is a different but like all of those movies have a different director but it still flows pretty well together you can as tell as far like, as I know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've only watched the first three, so you've watched one director transition, and there are things that happen in three that Chris Columbus would not have done in one and two, right? And like, there's a different vibe to it, but the story is still consistently the same, which it helps to have source material. That's the thing, you know. We could have had, we could have had source material with Star. Listen, you know what? Not but the time. Don Treader <laughs> does have source material. It does, and it's and it so it should have flown. It, it should have flowed better together than it did. Yes, I. It really, and I think that's the biggest reason I didn't watch it again, even as a kid, because we weren't that old when it came out. It just yeah, we were like eleven. Yeah, it oh my just gosh. breaks. <laughs> Don't even get me started. I watched it in theaters, okay? <laughs> I just... It wasn't magical to me. It it was just another pirate movie with some of my favorite actors saying some of the words that I like. And look, Liam Neeson shows up. <laughs> it wasn't... It didn't feel the same. It didn't feel like Narnia. Yeah. And... It's a t- it's shorter. It's like thirty minutes shorter than the other two movies, but only like an hour's worth of material actually happens. Yikes! Well, like the first two suffered from too much happening, not enough time. This one suffered from not enough happening, too much time. Yikes! That's our review of the Narnia trilogy, ladies and gents. <laughs> But first, we have to ask an important question. Oh, God. Does this movie have a train in it? Oh, I thought you were going to ask the other one. I was so scared. Not yet. Oh, I'm not ready. (laughs) No. We were just... 
judging movies based on whether or not they have trains in it. I don't think this one has a train in it. I don't, and I'm not going to try and find one because I don't care for that. No. Because they start... Well, the only time there could have been a train... In London? It was in London at the beginning. Yeah, that's it. I don't I don't think there was. They were just on the street. Right, because once they get to Narnia, well, there's never trains in Narnia before. It was always yeah. in the other two, it was in London. But like they're in the boat and then on these random islands, so there's no way that there's a train in Narnia. So it would have to be and then at the end they just go back to Eustace's house. Yeah. Okay, now I have to check. While I'm checking, you can think about your score. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I also don't like Eustace's parents because they just treat the kids like crap. And I hate them for that. So do with that information what you will. Okay. Yeah. We don't see a lot of them in this movie. No, 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 no. And you don't really either in the books. It just, it gives off, like, Dursley vibes, and you just kind of want to die inside. Well, that's, we never want Dursley vibes. Never. Never. All right. No train. Okay. It's not great, then. Uh, now I'm trying to, maybe there's a toy train on Eustace's floor, but... I doubt it. He's too clean for that. I hope so. I hope so, freaking nerd. <laughs> no, I don't see one. Good. Thomas the Tank Engine, get out of here. Stop it with that nonsense. Nope. No trains. Therefore, this cannot be a good movie. It just... We haven't given our scores yet, but I don't think it's going to be super high. Not only did this movie break my heart because of the ending... It also broke my heart continuously throughout the entire thing because, (laughs) you know, because the magic just wasn't there. It just wasn't the same and you could feel it. It was just, it was the filmography, it was the lighting, it was where they were at, which had nothing to do with anything because that's how the books are. Right. It was just, it was everything. Yeah, I just, like, I was saying... Earlier, I don't know if I finished talking about it, but because the setting of this movie was so different, the connectivity that comes in the score and the way that it's filmed was even more important for this movie, and they just ignored that. Yeah, completely. And that's the worst part. Do I still have respect for this movie because it's a Narnia movie? Of course I do. Do I still love it solely because Ben Barnes and William Mosley are in it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, The even the poster for this movie is completely different. Like, it's not the same font or anything, which makes me think that something happened. Yeah, like, like more some th- kind of tea. Like, yeah, like... More than just, like, they got a new director, like, but, like, they're all Disney, so it's not like they sold it to a new company, or maybe they did. I, I wasn't know. aware that it was always Disney. I Well, they're all, maybe... I'm assuming they're all Disney just because they're all on Disney Plus now. No, 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 they definitely are now, I just don't know if they always were. 
like when they first started, I I know Prince Caspian was because it was in, you know, like the previews on the DVDs where it's like, oh, look at all the previews for the other movies. Like, yeah, it was in those, but I don't know if it started out Disney. It definitely doesn't give off like super Disney vibes, at least the first two. Okay. I think this, the Wikipedia page says that it's the only film in the series not to be co-produced and distributed by Walt Disney Pictures. This last one? Yeah. So the last one was not Disney. Like it wasn't produced by Disney. Interesting. I didn't get that vibe from Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. That's super weird. I just made that up. Yeah, I so... I knew what Prince Caspian was, because D23, I had the video game. Like, we all Yeah, knew. yeah, so, basically, according to the Wikipedia page, which could be wrong, but basically, Prince Caspian didn't do as well as they had expected in the box office, and so... The Walton Media, which is the, like, other producer of it, and Walt Disney got into a dispute, and Disney left, and then 20th Century Fox replaced them. Oh, no. So that's why it's so different, is because they, like, legally could not do the same things. Oh, my gosh. The same people who made Ice Age... So the music, the director, like, all of those things had to be different? They I'm had a, like, to be different. Because like, they couldn't copy the music if it was owned by Disney. Right. And it's not a Disney production, technically. Anyway. It is now, because Disney bought Fox. You're breaking my heart, Anakin. You're going down a path I can't follow. I'm dying. It's fine. Yeah, and then they were going to make a magician's nephew movie but when? Two, uh, i don't know when it says that the magician's nephew was to be the fourth entry to the series but in the fall of 2011 walton media's contract with the c.s lewis estate expired expired and so they couldn't do it good thank god sorry that was but like you're going from book five to book one well like Book one happens in a different time. But still, like, like it, do it's you about, really want to do that? Like, book one is about how the wardrobe was built and how, like, it's like a background to Narnia. So, like, they do prequels after the originals all the time. They're trying to pull another Star Wars. I'm glad it stopped. Netflix, yeah. fix this nightmare. this feels like the spider-man thing where it's like who's gonna own spider-man i don't know yeah it really it's literally that the secret to most things is continuity yeah like that's it the sequel trilogies are not my favorite because they're not connected to each other the directors are different and they took it in completely different directions Mm-hmm. To a point that it, like, doesn't flow very well together. And then these do the same thing. But then, as soon as Marvel got control of Spider-Man, they could do all of those movies in the same vibe as all of the movies that we liked before. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, what's your score for this movie? After all of that, I, I'm struggling. Like, I had an answer, and then halfway through this episode, I changed it. And in the past, like, five minutes, I changed it again. So I'm really having a hard time. <laughs> Excellent. I am on the struggle train. <laughs> Can that be, like, on a t-shirt? The struggle train? You know what? I'm I'm going for it. Because I just... I didn't have the same love for this movie. I literally only watched it... I've only seen it twice. Like, I watched them a decade apart... That's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. But I remembered it really well. Surprising, considering it was an entire decade. I was like, oh, <laughs> this scene is next. That's not okay. I'm just insane. It's fine. I'm gonna go with seven. Seven. I've been writing down my Narnia scores. Because I don't trust you and your spreadsheets and technology. Do you want a picture of my spreadsheet? No. Robots I mean, I, are going to control the world. Oh, yes. <laughs> I never thought I'd be one of those people, but here I am. Really just going for it. Um, and the other two I did eight and a half. And I really think I could go lower with Don Treader. <laughs> Yeah, I gave it a six. That's what I input in the spreadsheet. But then I was like, maybe I should go lower. Oh my gosh. And then I was like... Because like, the issue is that I liked it the first time, but the second time I just really did not care for it. Yeah, which I would felt mean... the same both times. So it was like pretty like middle of the lane, which would be a five. Yeah. But if I give it a five... That means I have to up my diehard score. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I gave Die Hard a five. But, like, I feel like I enjoyed Die Hard slightly more than this. That surprises me. That really like I felt, does. I felt like this the second time was just boring. Well, yeah. like, I didn't like Die Hard. But it was more entertaining than this. Fair. So, it's I'm... just so weird comparing Narnia and Die Hard. Yeah, it's just like. So We're I'm gonna the give only podcast to have ever done that. <laughs> I'm gonna give Don Trevor a five, and I'm gonna up Die Hard to a five point five. Oh my gosh! Everyone, write this down in your history books. This is a real thing that's happening. We're going to just keep doing this, and then eventually I'm just going to keep upping my diehard score until it's like a seven. <laughs> I know. One day it'll get there, and I'm going to be like, you know, I was right. And then you'll be like, let's rewatch it, and then I'll like drop it back down. Yeah, you'll be like, oh, just kidding, it's a two. <laughs> it's aging better with time. I'm telling you, it's like fine wine, my friend. Together, we give this movie a 5.67. My gosh. It, Which oh God. is not the lowest movie we've done. No, it's not. It's just the second lowest. That well, no. My it's tied. 
No, no, it's the third lowest, tied for the third lowest. Wow. What's the lowest With movies we haven't done yet? See you yesterday. No, wait. Uh, no, just kidding. I don't know how to read numbers. The lowest movie is Harry Potter 1. Yikes. Which we haven't released that episode yet, but. That's quite a list, man. That really just. That breaks my heart, though. Like, I love Narnia so much. I love the concept. It feels like home. <laughs> yeah, the That's first song the... name. It's fine. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe has a 78, which puts it, like, pretty high up there. Mm -hmm. Not top five high up there, but it's not low. No. There are plenty of things below that. So, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes critic and audience score is? Critic score? My gosh. Um, I'm gonna go 72 critic, 70 audience Cool, I have to look it up. I don't think it's going to be that high, honestly. Yeah, I want to say like a 60 critic score. Yeah. Probably like a 75 audience. It's loading. It's a 50 critic score and a 58 audience. Oh my gosh, and they thought Prince Caspian flopped. <laughs> Yeah, I think from experience, I can't think of another movie where this has happened, but I know it has, <clears throat> where, like, disputes over rights happen, and then the movie that they end up releasing is way worse than anything they could have done in the first place, and they should have just not done it. I know. It just... I don't... I don't know. When you put it in terms of, like, 50, 100, like, 100 scale, I don't feel like Don Treader was a 50. I feel like it was a little higher, but... I mean, I gave it a 5, so, like, the 50 makes sense to me. It's right. just an... It's not a bad movie, but it's not a great movie either. Either It's literally, like, middle-of-the-line movie. It's just an incredibly average movie. Yeah something you'd probably put on in the background it's yeah fine. and i mean ben barnes is really hot and it so mm. but the critics agree no trains bad movie i'm just so excited to keep doing this train I'm thing losing my mind it's it's so good i didn't think you would literally get on this metaphorical train with me and it's glorious. Hey, our podcast has a metaphorical train in it, which means it's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want to close us out? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's get on the closing train. Okay. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, get me out of here. It's fine. It's time to go, ladies and gents. We have social media. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. Um, we're pretty funny on Twitter, actually, so follow us at CurlyCriticsPod. Gmail us at CurlyCriticsPod at gmail.com, because that's fun. Um, we also have a Patreon. You can find us on any of the, uh, what's it? Podcast listening things and WBNE.org. Don't worry about it. Just listen to it. It's fun. It's a fun time. The Curly Critics are a proud member of the WBNE Network, which has amazing shows that you can listen to. 
one of which is Unsobered, where Julia gets drunk and talks about women in history. Here's a promo. Hi, I'm Julia, the host of Unsobered, Women of History and Literature, the podcast where I talk about the women that the history books, history classes, and the general public often overlook or who just get a brief mention, but we never really know the whole story of their impact on the world we live in. On Unsobered, I share the stories and histories of these amazing, strong women. And while I tell you the history we don't get from traditional history classes, I get more and more drunk over the course of the episode. So join me to learn about your favorite women or to find a new favorite woman that you didn't even know contributed to one of your favorite things. New episodes released every other Friday. All right. Thanks for listening to our show. Remember to ride the train. Yeah, this has been our Narnia trilogy. I never thought we'd actually do this, and it's been great. Have a magical Monday, and don't forget, beavers aren't real. Amen.